Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro, and I want to welcome you to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our theme today is finding God in transitions, finding God in uh, transitions. Now, transitions is so much a part of life. It, it comes in so many shapes and forms. And as you're listening to this, you may be, for example, uh, you know, church planter that finds yourself in a whole new set of responsibility. That's a big transition. Or maybe as a pastor or ministry leader, you're in a whole new season of life. Maybe some staff have left or some key leaders have left, or maybe somebody new has emerged on, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's new, it's a transition. Some new relationships have lost or, or been initiated. Uh, even in families, we go through transitions. You know, our children age into different uh, you know, parts of life and our parents age or maybe are dying and singleness happens or we get married. And these are all transitions. Uh, relationships change. Uh, maybe now you're a boss for the first time. Uh, now it's not your Mr. Nice Woman or Mr. Nice Guy or Mrs. Nice Woman. Friendships change. Some friendships actually end, uh, sometimes in a good way or sometimes not in a not so easy or good way. Health limits come, and that's a transition where suddenly maybe something's happened to you physically where uh, with, through an accident or a cancer or growing older, uh, you now have to integrate a new set of limits. You're unable to do what you did earlier. Uh, maybe your role has changed. That's a transition. Uh, your role at work, your role at home, uh, your role, your role at uh, you know a nonprofit you work at. That's a transition. There's transitions even in our relationship with God, where what worked at one period of our life with Jesus doesn't work any longer. You know, we had a certain way that we prayed and spent time with God, and we find all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this is uh, this is not bringing me life any longer, and. Uh, it's a shift. It's a transition, and you're and you, you keep trying to do the old way of of how you walk with Jesus, but you're in a new season. It's not working anymore. Uh, it's growing up. It's it's painful, and then there's just the transitions of God's doing new things, uh, and what you were doing earlier is over. Uh, but it could be programs. It could be plans. Uh, things aren't fitting uh, the way they were earlier, and some of us are we kick and scream uh, out of pain because we don't like change. And yet, it's just transition. I mean, something new is happening in God. So remember, we serve a living God who's a moving living God. Uh, and, you know, unlike Peter, if you remember the story in the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, when uh, Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus on the mountain, and, and Peter's suggestion is, this is glorious in the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's build three booths up here. And Jesus interrupts him because uh, Peter's just talking, making plans, and and he wants stability. He doesn't want change. And and Jesus says, you know, the voice comes from heaven, listen to him. Uh, God speaks. And so really the goal here is to listen to the living God uh, in our transitions because God's speaking, God's moving, and he's doing something new. And this, this podcast is so appropriate because we're starting a new year. And uh, new years are just time to reflect uh, on what transitions does God have for you going into 2018. Uh, into this new year. And so let me ask you two questions. These, these are my two favorite questions. Uh, I often ask myself in transitions, uh, and not just at the new year, but actually along the way during the year. Uh, and I do them before the Lord and I journal about them. The first is this, what is it time to let go of uh, in my personal life and my leadership? You know, what is it time to let go of in my personal life or leadership? And what new thing, secondly, might be standing backstage waiting to make its entrance? I'll say it again. You know, what what might it be time to let go of in your personal life uh, and then in your leadership? And then secondly, what new thing might be waiting backstage, uh, waiting to make its entrance? But first, you have to let go of something. So listen, transitions and letting go are critical leadership tasks every one of us must master if we're going to do God's work, God's way, 
and in God's timing. And if we don't discern the endings that God has for us, we will surely miss his new beginnings, uh, both personally and in our ministries, and our work. I know I speak from experience here. But sadly, endings and transitions are poorly handled in families. They're poorly handled in ministries. They're poorly handled in uh, organizations, businesses, and teams. Uh, and so we end up missing this new thing God wants to do uh, and the new work God wants to release in us, and it's really tragic. So, uh, and, and the long-term fruit for Christ that he wants us to, to birth through us, uh, we don't let the things die that need to die so something new can come forth. And so uh, today I want to talk to you about how do I find God in transitions? Uh, how do I not do what the culture does, which sees endings or transitions as a sign of failure rather than opportunities for something new. Some of you listening to me, listen to me. You are you have before you something glorious of God's future for you, uh, but it's going to require learning to find God in transitions and uh, seeing God. It's such an important, large lesson. So again, there's two approaches to transitions uh, and endings that necessarily come with transitions. Some of us, we just get angry, bitter, we go numb, we medicate, we grumble. That's one approach. And we go kicking and screaming. Uh, other approach is we receive uh, this ending. We see God in it, actually give him thanks in it, and, and we wait on him joyfully for the resurrections that are going to come, even though I don't have any control of this. So this is a theological actual theme. This isn't like, you know, here's you know four practical steps. This is fundamentally theological, uh, but we come from a culture that does transitions, that is endings and new beginnings in a certain way, and we come from families that did transitions a certain way. So let me just give you a background of how I came into this. I uh, Because when I first began uh, my Christian life, I didn't have any uh, experience in healthy transitions, uh, which involve endings and new beginnings. Uh, and if you've read my first book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, in 1996, I came into this theology of enlarging your soul through grief and loss. You know, two-thirds of the Psalms being about, you know, laments and grief, whole book called Lamentations, Jesus called Man of Sorrows, Jeremiah, uh, you know, David writing Psalms of Lament, like in 2 Samuel chapter 1. I just, I, I, I got the biblical material of grieving and loss and death must be a precursor to new beginnings. So on a personal level, I, I got it. I, I got that. Um, but it grew into a deeper application over the years uh, into leadership and into uh, even to succession where I was lead pastor at New Life for 26 years and then you know handed it over and took a different role. But that was a, a, a real transition, a significant work transition. But I've done a lot of work thinking about all the transitions of life and they just keep coming. Just, you know, as you get older, they just keep, they keep multiplying. You think they're not going to, but they do. Uh, but each is beautiful in its own way. So Let's talk about you know the standard way uh, transitions happen in the culture. One is we don't do endings uh, well. Uh, we hate them. We hate letting go. Western culture is bigger, better, and faster, and we want to avoid endings at all costs. We really do see them as failures. So, but the sadly, what happens if we don't release the fruit of one season, uh, it can't blossom into the next. So. Uh, let me just talk to you about the three phases of, of transition. It's a process, and this is one way to kind of handle it. And I realize most of you are probably in your cars or walking or exercise machines uh, somewhere, uh, 
But there's three, I'll call it phases, uh, and you know they overlap with each other, but there, it's important to have these handles uh, as you think through your transition that you may be in right now. Okay, so the first is that there has to be an ending. Uh, that's the first process. In other words, something has to end, uh, a final ending, before something new can take place. For most of my life, I routinely have tried to hang on to the old while at the same time attempting to seize the new. Uh, it never worked. You know, there, for there to be a transition, there has to be an ending. And that ending is a death, and that death is final. It's very disorienting. In other words, there has to be an ending before a new beginning can emerge. Uh, in other words, the ice that you're standing on is melting. And in other words, you can't stand on this much longer. It is going to die. So it's better you voluntarily cooperate with it uh, and move to the next phase. But this, this theme, it took me quite a while to get a hold of. I have to let go and let it die. It's over. And then I can move on to the next phase, which is, even though I'm disoriented, which is waiting, you know, in this, in this difficult in-between. Now, I, I've walked through a lot of, you know, difficult ending, whether it's, uh, and so I, I appreciate why as leaders it's so difficult and as organizations it's so difficult to surrender this kind of pain because it is really, it, the word is death. It's, it's so painful. Whether it's, you know, uh, a ministry just needs to end, say, a certain way even to some, a program like Christmas so that something new might emerge for the future. It's very painful to end a program where people are invested not knowing what the future might hold. Uh, but it has to be done for something new, new to happen. The same thing goes with, you know, you know, how you, you know, facing brutal facts of where things are in the organization, look, asking hard questions versus distracting and fleeing. Uh, so so I, I can't follow my feelings in these endings because everything in me is crying out like, no, no, no. But then I have to, then the second phase is I wait. In the pain, in, in the waiting, we call it the confusing in between of a transition. Now, again, just think of Abraham waiting. He was in a confusing in between for 25 years uh, until Isaac was born. Or think of Joseph waiting between 13 and 22 years in a transition to become second in command in Egypt. Or Moses waiting 40 years in the desert in a transition uh, for God to resurrect a purpose for his life. Or, or Hannah waiting years for a child. Or Job waiting years, 35 chapters, for God to reveal himself. Or John the Baptist and Jesus waiting 30 years before the Father's time, uh, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, Pete, but how long do I have to wait, you know, for a new beginning to come? And my answer is, uh, I don't know. But normally, the, the rule of thumb is it takes much longer than we think. And if we bolt or make our own plans to get out of the pain, we end up birthing an Ishmael uh, and not really God's plan. We do our own plan, and then we have to go back and do it all over again. And uh, boy, have I done that. Um so I, there has to be an ending process, there's a waiting, then there's a new beginning. Uh, now, new beginnings are, uh, you know, they're, they're messy as well. They're, they're not tidy. Uh, and so it's, it's a slow, even new beginnings as they come forth are, are, are slow. So the theology is very simple. This. You, got, you got endings, waiting, and new beginnings. That's the basic process. Uh, it's really the cross and the resurrection. There has to be a death before there's a resurrection, a new beginning. But one of the most important life tasks for, for us to learn is that uh, you can't hold on to anything. Do you understand that? As if, you, if you die a natural death and not a sudden death, you will let go of everything in life. All of your relationships, uh, all of your material wealth, 
all of your status and position, you will die completely naked before God. You will hold on to nothing and you will wait on God and there will be a new beginning as, you, as you're midwifed into the other side, into eternity. Uh, and so that, that principle is so important because life is filled with lots of transitions. I mean, on all levels. And, uh, but it's letting go of what no longer fits for this season. So uh, again, for example, as I, I know people who, as they grow older, who, uh, I think my mother-in-law, who's 92, who still wants to drive, okay? And so uh, constantly fighting with her adult children because she wants to drive. But she needs to let go and transition the fact that she now needs to let herself be cared for. She's 92 years old. Uh, she lives in a huge house uh, that she's been living in for over 50 years uh, all by herself. And she wants to be independent. But there's a transition that's coming on her just by her body being 92. But she has seven children who are all kind of making care of her so she can stay at this house. Uh, but, you know, transitions and finding God is is God's coming in that limits of, 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 of a place in our lives. So how do we grow in this? How, how do you do this, especially if you're younger uh, and you've got all this energy? And uh, because there are interior blockages that we carry that hinder us from transitioning, from endings, waiting, and new beginnings. And it could be anything from fear, loss of power, control, unbelief. But transitions cause our inner monsters to emerge. I mean, it just makes you very vulnerable. It makes me very vulnerable. That's, this is mature stuff. And, uh, but I can just say this, this is a core discipleship issue, especially for leaders, uh, because we impact and influence so many people. And if we don't do it well, uh, we affect a lot of people. That's why, uh, for me, the core to leadership, and I was, I was talking with a friend from Africa this past week about the disconnect of discipleship and leadership, and where we're trying to teach people all these leadership skills and lessons and insights. However, people's discipleship is so shallow or faulty that they cannot do it on a high level as leadership, or they have great difficulty doing it. And that's why for me and for us at EHS over these uh, 22 years now, uh, we've invested ourselves in the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses. And I want to encourage you, if you've not picked up the uh, Discipleship Kit, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Kit, uh, which has our two courses in it that we're bringing to churches now around the world. It just came out about two months ago. I want to encourage you to pick it up, uh, buy it, and uh, begin to go through it, and then come for some you know, webinars and training. Because you've got to get this discipleship material solid in your life uh, if you're going to get equipped to actually move through the transitions that are coming. You're in one probably right now. You're probably in multiple ones. You may not even be aware of it. Uh, but God's got more for you. And you can rest assured you've got multiple transitions ahead of you, uh, some very large ones. And so you want to get your discipleship rock solid in your life and in those around you so you can help others process their transitions and actually meet God in it. So again, let me encourage you. Go to our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. Pick up that discipleship kit uh, and uh, you want to begin to get into these course material that is really foundational to everything I'm about to share with you about what you need to do to grow into finding God in transitions. All right. So number one, here's my, I got four little items here and I'll close with this about how do I grow through this? How do I find God in transitions? Number one is this, is to grow in our, per, grow in our personal relationship with Jesus, uh, to grow deeply in our personal relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about scripture. I'm referring to silence. And in other words, that we're, we're cultivating a walk with God that we're able to let go. 
of all of our attachments outside of Jesus. And again, I, I love the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration because, uh, you, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, the, the disciples are trying to hang on to some booths or this glory with Jesus. And, and uh, but you know, who appears in the mountain is Jesus alone. You know, listen to him. And the call of our lives is to Jesus. And over and above any program, any person, any attachment, any ministry, anything in life that we're attaching ourselves to, that we are deeply connected into Jesus, worshiping, loving, following Jesus. And because that is what enables us to transition. So I'm, I'm listening to him. And that's why uh, silence and solitude, along with scripture, of course, are so foundational. I don't think I actually grasped transitioning in life until I got a hold of what I call the, the monastic tradition or contemplative spirituality, where I began to integrate silence and stillness into my life in a serious way. Now, I, I spend 20 minutes a day, minimally, in the mornings in, in silence. Then I have periods of the day where I'm, I'm taking you know time to be still before the Lord. But it's in that time I'm letting go of everything but Jesus. And uh, uh, silence and stillness and spending time with Jesus, we learn discretion, the ability to wait. We're able to see what unfolds. And we actually grow in our trust in the love of God. Because see, when there's endings and we're waiting for a new beginning, see, between an ending and a new beginning, there's always waiting. Because something's over, but something new hasn't come yet. And it's a very difficult place to be in. And everything inside of us screams. But... If we can wait on the Lord, be deeply connected to him, we can realize, yes, for me to create some ideas of how the world should work uh, and how my life should work, and, and we realize how foolish that is. Uh, and we actually become less concerned about self-image preservation. And so it's out of that relationship with Jesus that I can let the ending happen and I can wait and I can trust the love of Jesus for me and not be so concerned about what other people are thinking. So that, that that's that's so foundational transitioning um, that I want to make that number one. But but then secondly is I want to ask you a question about your genogram, uh, your family of origin. How did your family of origin hand, handle endings and new beginnings? Um, so for example, I mean my my family handled it very poorly. I, I my family has a bakery business that we've been in since 1923, an Italian pastry business. My uncle who died recently. He never transitioned out of his role of being in charge. Uh, in fact, he died working. I mean, he was 80 years old, uh, never enjoyed his money or his family. He just, he worked. And uh, I mean, his health went down the last year or two, so he couldn't work. But he still would go in whenever he had enough energy, you know, for a half a day to do something. But that, it's, just, it's an illustration of how my family handled endings, which is they didn't. Uh, denied them, medicated, went into depression. So uh, that's why doing family of origin genogram work is so important of how your family did life and what, how, what your family considered success, uh, how your family did relationships. And again, we're back to the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses is so critical because we've got to have a foundation of we've broken the negative power of the past so we can embrace a future with God. So you want to do that kind of work. Number three is a solid theology of the cross. Now, that, that's not easy to embrace either. That is a, a theology that before there can be a resurrection, there has to be a death. I mean, the whole gospel is about, this is what Jesus models for us, that, that Christianity is a, a, a seed going into the ground and dying, John 12, 24. 
has to die so that there might be much fruit and much resurrection. And Jesus' whole life was a pattern of death and resurrection. So in the same way, our lives are one of repeated death and resurrection. I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You know, and the life of Christ flows out of me. And so as I understand that, it's through the suffering of dying, of things dying, I actually come to know Jesus. So it's a solid theology of the cross, not a triumphant, successful, bigger, better, faster Western theology. It's a, it's a cross theology. Now, if you don't think that's difficult to embrace, just read the Gospels because the 12 disciples had such a hard time getting it. Uh, and uh, But you want to have a solid theology. I'll call it of the cross. It's not simply, the cross is not simply the means of our salvation. You know, Christ died and rose for our, for our sake to save us. We might be born into his family. It's also the pattern of our lives. Uh, so we want to have that theology of the cross. And then finally, uh, if you're in a transition, especially a big transition, again, there's small transitions, medium transitions, and there's big transitions. Uh, you really do need, on top of large blocks of time in Scripture with Jesus, we also need wise counselors, mentors, therapists, spiritual directors, coaches, Folks who can who are who've been who are older, who've been around, more mature, who can speak some truth into you, that when you're tempted to jump off the cross and climb down and take things into your own hands, that can say to you, stay the course. You know, one of the great um greatest words of counsel I received uh was in 1995. And it was uh it was after the uh, one of the endings of my illusions of being this great church pa- pastor, which I was not, and I was coming to grips with all of my failures and flaws, uh, and I was beginning this inner journey that we called EHS, and I was really despairing, like, I'm in a hole, I'm never going to come out. Uh, but I was in a transition because I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to pastor the way I was pastoring before. I knew it wasn't working. It wasn't what God had for me. There was too much of ego in it. And a wise mentor, 20 years older than me, said, Pete, hang in there uh, in the tunnel. And it may be very dark, but at the end of that tunnel, there is light. You can't see any light right now. You think you'll die in here, but you won't. God is on the other side. Just stay with him. I never forgot those words because it was really about a two-year period. I felt like, oh, God, I, I just can't see anything. But I remember the light beginning to flicker of hope, like, oh, gosh, God's there. And maybe God's doing something here. And I, in that waiting time, I began to see slowly flickers of a new beginning until it actually emerged. You know, here we are many years later, something called emotionally healthy spirituality. But if you persevere, I promise you, with Jesus, you will discover that after the cross and after a death, after an ending, brutal as it may be, there is always resurrection. I'll say it again. After the ending, uh, and maybe you've had actually a physical death that's happened you know, around you recently, uh, or loss of a job, something very serious, or a cancer diagnosis. I, I can promise you this. If you'll stay with Jesus, that you will discover that after the cross, uh, there is always a resurrection. Endings always result in new beginnings. And you will, perhaps for the first time, understand the words of Jesus to Peter, where he says, Very truly I say to you, when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And, uh, you know, Peter had to learn to let go and uh, let God birth a new beginning for him that was going to be very, very different. So, again, let me just invite you. Listen, this is about stewardship uh, of your life. This is it's Jesus' church. Uh, it's not yours. You're going to die, and God's going to continue to build his kingdom. And we're temporary stewards of 
everything that we're, we've got in our hands, uh, history, people's gifts, talents, uh, and God's mission for your organization and, and church. It's much bigger than you. Uh, but we're shepherds, you know, and, and, and we lead under Jesus, but we hold on to nothing. And so we're, we're open to transitions for God's new beginnings, always. Uh, and actually, our identity is not in being a board member or a vice president or a president or a staff person or a pastor. Our identity, God wants to ground it much deeper in the fact that we're beloved as sons and daughters. We're married to Jesus, and we're headed for an eternal celebration with him. And my first calling is, is uh, not my work. My first calling is to Jesus, to behold his beauty and to seek his face, you know, Psalm 27. And then, again, uh, fear. You know, fear is perhaps the greatest reason so many of us unconsciously avoid transitions or stepping out and letting gutting go. And, you know, what's going to happen? How will I live financially? Will I be forgotten? And and we forget the entire Christian life actually is about trust, isn't it? It's about trusting Jesus. This is the primary work of God, to trust in the one he has sent. And, uh, you know, over the decades, I've repeatedly seen the destructive consequences of leaders who hand over power poorly, who don't let go. And um, at the end of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book, I describe my own four and a half year succession process that went on inside of me uh, in that book. And I encourage you to pick it up. It was was probably one of the biggest transitions of my life. And I've gone through many uh, of a letting go. But I found that in letting go in that ending, brutal as it was for me internally, uh, and a long waiting period that it involved brought so much resurrection. And uh, I encourage you to pick that up. And so I'll close with this thought here from uh, Matthew chapter 17, when the disciples are come down from the mountain, and it turns out that three of them come down from the mountain, Peter, James, and John. And the disciples, the other nine disciples, had not been able to cast a demon out of this young boy. And uh, Jesus comes down, casts the demon out, and they say to Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus says, well, because you've had, you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. And what Jesus says is, listen, he says, all you need is a little faith, and you can actually move a mountain from here to there. I mean, think of moving a mountain. And you know what little faith is? Little faith is just praying. It's, it's coming to Jesus with your few loaves and fishes and say, Lord Jesus, help me. It's a little faith, but it just takes a little faith of us coming to Jesus that he moves mountains. And I want to encourage you, whatever transition you're in right now, bring it to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm here I am. I ask you to move this mountain, uh, Lord, and, and show me the new beginning you've got for me and give me the grace to stay with you even when my emotions are gyrating up and down and everything in me wants to jump off the cross and run and do something crazy, give me the grace to stay with you and to embrace your new beginnings uh, and not try to make something happen that you're not doing. So it's been great to be with you uh, today at our Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. Again, I'm Pete Scazzaro. Let me invite you to go to our website, www.emotionallyhealthy.org. We've got a wealth of resources for you. And you know our mission is to bring a discipleship that deeply changes lives to churches, Uh, around the world. And we invite you to get on that journey with us, sign up on our mailing list, and look forward to talking to you again. God bless you and have a great day.